You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Actually, it's the it's the lead play in our in our offense. Yes, a YN or a tight end to open up somewhere between six feet and nine feet. To get an isolation with the with the linebacker. Tell the tackle to take the defensive end if he's over and if he's not. To drive down on the first man to his inside. YN has the linebacker taken out, he cuts inside. The YN has the linebacker here, he comes all the way around. If you look at this play, what we're trying to get is a seal here, and a seal here, and try to run this play in the alley. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome into Packers Total Access. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. You can email us, Packers Total Access at gmail.com. You can text us, 865-658-5824. I'm joined alongside Tim, live in Green Bay. Going to talk a little Packers tonight. Hope everybody's doing well. I know we all kind of sat around the old uh, Twitter bird today thinking, will we get a D, will we get, at least get an interview nugget, right? Will, will someone be interviewed for D.C.? Just didn't happen today, did it, Tim? No, it's it's coming though. Patience is a virtue, right? We got to be patient. Absolutely. And you know, we we kind of talked about some of our top picks that are under the radar. You know, we mentioned Chris Hewitt in Baltimore. We mentioned um, Dave Merritt in KC. I think my favorite, hands down, though, is Johnny Holland in San Francisco. Although it sounds like he is battling some health issues, so might be kind of unlikely that he would even be looking to be a DC right now with all the extra added responsibility and all that and having to pack up and move across the country. But Johnny Holland to me is the one that's most intriguing, I think. And, uh, and of course, Chris Hewitt, Chris Hewitt's right there too. Like I would be. He's number know, one would, on my list right now. Yeah, for sure. So uh, we also mentioned, you know, Denard Wilson in Baltimore and we mentioned uh, Daniel Bullock in San Francisco as well. So just some names to kind of, kind of keep an eye on. And, and when we talk about those teams, obviously, those are from three of the final four teams here that yep. are still alive. So that might be the reason for lack of information. Although we do know <clears throat> that, uh, that 1265 and, and the green Bay Packers organization hold all that information very, very close to their vest, right? They don't want to tip their hand in any yep. of that because, you know, imagine you do let that information out to him and another team catches window. So well, let's go interview them real quick. Let's try to get them on the books real quick. Right. You're going to, or, or the team you're trying to poach them from is like, ah, you know, we're, we're good. We're going to offer another deal and we're not going to give them permission to talk to you. Yeah, <laughs> so. exactly. You know what? We're going to give you free meals on Tuesday in the cafeteria. How about that? <laughs> deal. I'd sign up for that. I ain't gonna lie. So there you go. Um, let's see. Let's go to the chat real quick. Uh, Andres in the chat says, I miss Joe Barry. And then he came back and said, just kidding. So there you go. Uh, <laughs> you got that one going. Uh, oh, we're going to give him some <laughs> <laughs> Eric Sutherland said Belichick or Frazier. If not, bring back Barry. Um, you know, the Belichick talk, I don't want to say it's heating up because it's not, but there's people talking about it, right? And and we had mentioned it right off the bat. You guys know that would be my dream pick. And it's the reason I haven't even mentioned it. It's because, like, Belichick's looking to try to break Shula's record. And I'm not suggesting that that's that important to Belichick, but – I can't imagine he's looking to be a DC anywhere. Although did, you know, show love and, and respect for the Packers organization, the history of, uh, of everything that, that green Bay Packers represent. And I love that about him. 
I love the idea of what if Belichick did become the DC, brung Stephen with him. Stephen will be his play caller like he was in New England. And then uh, when Bill hangs it up in a couple years, whether it's one year, two year, three years, Steve Stephen Belichick just step right into the role as DC if he doesn't get a head coaching offer. That'd be cool. But these are I think the only way that works is a uh, Rich Passaccia back down to special teams coordinator, and then uh, Bill would have to be the assistant head coach as well. I think. I mean, we're dreaming, like, right, right, right. totally dreaming here. Um, but I don't know. I yeah. Don't know. That would now, as far as that goes, Bill's not getting any other offers. Now, he would get other D.C. offers. We know that. Someone would swoop up him in a, in a heartbeat. So, as far as that goes, he would have the right where he's a free agent. He could choose. So, that assistant coach title, in my opinion, I could be wrong, it doesn't really come into play as much. You know, it only comes into play when you're under contract with the team and they can block a lateral move, you know. So, I don't think it would be that big of an issue. But, again, it's a pop dream. That ain't happening, you know. I hope I'm, oh, go ahead. hope I'm looking up in a month and going, man, I was wrong and I'm happy about it. But I just don't – I don't see any scenario where that would be the case. What were you going to say, Bob? I was just going to say two names right here, Eric Sutherland bringing up, Belichick and Frazier, uh, two highly respected coaches, uh, at least from my perspective, got a lot of respect for these two. But that being said, not on my list, neither, neither one on my list for uh, for D.C. here um, in Green Bay. Yeah. Just more of a predictive, you know – uh, attitude when it comes to that, just saying I don't think either of those two are going to end up being the guy. Um, not saying that they would be bad candidates, just saying that they're not not high up on my list of uh, who I think we should have here. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, we were we mentioned a video earlier today, guys, um, uh, and and many people were going, Clayton, show the video, show the video. Um, I was telling you it's from the Packers Legacy documentary that you can find for free on on YouTube on the Packers YouTube channel and all that. That's just the, one of my favorite documentaries of all time. They did such a good job with it. Cliff Crystal's in, involved with it very, very heavily. And you guys know he's the team historian. And basically that legacy documentary is like the video version of his book, essentially. Right. And that book series is one of my most, you know, prized possessions when it comes to Packers. I guess you'd call it memorabilia. Um, any kind of Packers, you know, geared item. I love it. Just absolutely. It takes you from start to finish talks about the history of the city. I mean, it's just a phenomenal, phenomenal book. But this video I'm going to show you is from that Packers legacy documentary. We were talking about potentially drafting a quarterback. And, and again, I'm going to throw it out there again. We weren't saying we should draft a quarterback. We were just simply saying if a guy with a high enough draft grade drops to the Packers, don't be surprised if they were to pull the trigger because quarterback is that that important of a position, right? So, um, and, and I pointed out the story behind Ted Thompson and, and going to Bob Harlan on draft day and seeing Aaron fall on the board and, and him going to Bob like, hey, I think we're going to take him and we're going to catch some heat for us. So many people were saying, hey, I'd like to see that video. So I pulled it real quick. Again, make sure you guys go to the – the if you just type in Packers Legacy on YouTube when this pod's over and make sure you click like on the video, um, all that good stuff. Share it on Twitter. Get it out there. I still can't believe there's so few people that's watched this documentary. It is just absolutely amazing. But here we go. This is the story behind – uh, Ted Thompson kind of taking over as GM and then obviously uh, leading to him uh, drafting Aaron Rodgers while Brett Favre was still on the roster. Here we go. And I just want to say this, the fact that this was filmed and they captured Ted Thompson in a documentary form before he passed away as a Packer fan, I'm forever indebted to whoever pulled that off because what an amazing man. There's not one player that played for him that didn't like him. They absolutely adored that guy. 
I think that was the hard part for me to stomach was how s- several Packer players kind of bucked on Goody at first. And it's like, man, I just – I miss those days with Ted, you know. Yeah. But uh, so you, you got to keep in, in mind, too, uh, from the negative standpoint, it's hard to believe Packer fans were calling for his job anytime yeah. he didn't win a Super Bowl because he was just so good at what he did and and battling to the very end of his life, you know, with that sickness and yeah. uh, continuing and to do what he As an advisor as long as possible, too. Yeah. You know, being kind a part of, of this organization for such a long time is just a testament to who Ted Thompson was. Yeah, absolutely. And him, you hear Goody talk about Ted all the time, you know, and just yeah. the – the respect he has for him. But anyway, here's the video. It's a really cool, again, Packers legacy documentary. Check it out on YouTube on the Packers YouTube page. Here we go. It's, it's about football. It's about how can we help the team win? You have to keep your eye on the ball and make sure you don't stray from what you're trying to accomplish. We're in the draft room. You have to make decisions that are based on what's good for the team. There are, certain requirements that we think you have to have to be able to play in the NFL. Height, weight, speed, all that sort of stuff, the analytical thing. But then there's also the the football part. What sets Ted apart, he, he really spends a lot of time on the road. So when we make a decision on a player, he's most likely talked to that player, he's talked to the coach, he's talked to the trainer. So we're making informed decisions. There are Particular players, I think that you come alongside uh, during the course of your career, and you and you see something different. You know, Ted has always been a guy who cares deeply about this team and about his job. Uh, he's a scout at heart. He loves watching tape, and he, you know, he really, really cares about the guys. And it comes across anytime he talks to the team. It could be someone you wind up taken in the sixth round, or it could be someone that you you wind up picking in the first round. Thompson's first draft as GM. That was a long day, April uh, 23rd, 2005. I was the last in the green room. He selects quarterback Aaron Rodgers of California. Rodgers is the 24th overall pick. We all assumed uh, going into the draft that he would go, you know, three or four or five or something like that. Everyone knew it was going to be him or Alex Smith who would go first in that draft. We joked about uh, who would be the last one in the green room, how long they would have to wait. We all thought, you know, after the first 10 picks, we'd probably all be out of there on a plane, on our way to our next city, excited about the opportunity. And we weren't in the market, so to speak, for a quarterback. John Madden used to always say, the toughest time to find a quarterback is when you really need one. That was in the day when they would show people in the, in the side room. I'd look up there every once in a while and, and I'd see Aaron, you know, just sitting there and agonizing, I'm sure. And he sits there and sits there and sits there. It was about four and a half hours, uh, cameras on me, kind of some cleanup crew going on around, around me. Every uh, little uh, facial expression was, uh, was captured. As it gets close to our choice, Ted says to me, he says, can we step out of the draft room for a minute and talk? I remember um, taking a little 30-minute off-camera break as we got to picks 14, 15, 16, knowing I wasn't going to be picked and uh, wondering what was going to happen, wondering why uh, people had passed on me. Did they need a quarterback for the next season? No. 
So he calls me out of the room and he says, if, if Aaron Rodgers is there, Bob, I'm going to take him. We're going to catch some heat because Brett's still playing excellent football. And I said, Ted, it's your ball club. And lo and behold, when he got to be our pick, he was there. Thompson did something that had never been done. Green Bay is on the clock, and I got a call on my cell phone. It was the first time, really, where a general manager or anybody drafted a future Hall of Fame quarterback to follow in the footsteps of another Hall of Fame quarterback. And I was like, what, Packers gonna pick me? They're not gonna pick me, they got Favre. It was gonna become a need. I mean, that's why, that's why the pick was so special. By then, people knew that time was running out on Favre. I didn't really even hear it. It was so loud uh, in the Javits Center. I think everybody was giving me the obligatory uh, cheer because they know they knew how long I was sitting around. And we're doing a show in front of fans in Lambeau Field's atrium. And everybody starts booing. And why were they booing? Well, because the Packers needed a pass-rushing defensive end difference maker. I got bad mail when Ted Thompson decided to draft Aaron Rodgers. Brett Favre had announced a couple of weeks earlier he was coming back. Doug Peterson was the backup. The Packers were fine at quarterback. They didn't need to waste a first-round draft choice on a quarterback. Everybody kind of left the room, and Bob Harlan came up to me and was like, this guy's, this guy's good, right? Like, he's really good. And I was like, he's awesome. Everybody said, why in the world are you taking a quarterback? Particularly when 23 other teams passed him by. It was the right thing to do. And that was the thing about Ted. He was never afraid to do the right thing. Ted Thompson does not get the credit he deserves. And some people say, well, he locked into Aaron Rodgers. I couldn't disagree more. As a, a person in Ted Thompson's position, you always have to be thinking about the future. I always appreciate uh, him taking a chance on me. It took more courage for him to take Aaron Rodgers than pretty much anybody else in the NFL because he had Brett Favre. The Packers are gonna be around for a long time and so he was, he was looking at who would be the future quarterback of the Green Bay Packers. What that did for this franchise is immeasurable. But the Packers are struggling on the field. The 2005 season ends with a dismal 4-12 finish. Green Bay's first losing season since 1991. After six seasons, head coach Mike Sherman is fired. They tried to work together for a year. Ted had even given him a, a contract extension. Mike was still bitter, and Ted knew that that wasn't going to work out. We interviewed probably 12 or 14. All right, there you go. Well, bottom line is... Rogers, who the only place he's going to take you to is the toilet bowl, and then you got Brett Farr, who will take you to the Super Bowl. Yeah, I hear you. I'm, I'm just saying, we're not going to talk about it. I would never be able to get over Bill Huber in the back going. <laughs> Rest in peace, Ted Thompson, you legend, man. You absolute legend. You old goat, you, man. Yeah, what an amazing person. Um, bunch of things there. Someone pointed out John Schneider, right? Um, let's see here. Paul Robertson said, uh, John Schneider, in my opinion, the best GM to come out of the Ron Wolf tree. I mean, he's a dandy. Um, some of the stories that's come out about his time with the Green Bay Packers, too. Is just awesome. He's like one of those guys that sounds like he would party with the team sometimes too. I'll just leave it at that. And uh, just some funny stories that's come out of there. If I remember correctly too, they that, that video ended with them having one of their worst seasons, right? I think that high draft pick actually led to A.J. Hawk, which yep. as you guys know will go on to be one of the most 
reliable middle linebackers in, in Packers history, the all-time leading tackler in Packers history, um, won a Super Bowl, won at every level he's ever played at. I'm pretty sure he won a state championship in Ohio. He won a national championship for Ohio State and then won a Super Bowl with the Green Bay Packers. You, that's just not a coincidence, right? He's just one of those players. So um, that might have been, matter of fact, that might have been uh, – that would have been, I guess, Ted Thompson's second first-round pick, right, the next year, if I remember correctly. Those years all run together. I probably got that mixed up, but nonetheless. <laughs> um, really cool stuff there. Lee, 86, said, why did he fall? I forget. There's no one really truly knows. Um, you know, I, I do know that that Aaron, one of the things that stood out to me, the night before that draft, I was living in Knoxville, Emilio, as a matter of fact. I was really? working over – the day of the draft, that Saturday, that Saturday, back then they did the first round. It was like an all-day event on Saturday, mm -hmm. right? Um, if I remember correctly, yeah, the draft was formatted a lot different. And I was in an office building over off of, uh, God, what was it? A paper mill, off yep. paper mill road. And um, I remember thinking, man, if somehow, some way, Alex Smith could drop to the Packers, how awesome would that be? But he's going right. to be gone in the top five. And the reason I say that, you're going, we were talking about Aaron Rodgers. It was a slam dunk the night before Aaron Rodgers was going to be the number one overall pick. Like, it was done, right? And all of a sudden, he doesn't get picked. And now people start thinking, why is he dropping? But one thing that stood out to me, I remember going into that, he he held the ball up here, right? Mm -hmm. It was weird how he held the ball. And he, you know, obviously he played at Cal, he played at Butte. I can't remember the – who was his college coach? Do you guys remember? He was like a quarterback guru, but was it Ted, Tedford? Maybe something like that? Anyway – they were saying that he had a lot to do with the way he held the ball and stuff like that. I also heard rumblings that he was one of those guys that uh, he uh, – I don't know if alpha is the right word, but he wouldn't take crap off of people. As you can see today, <laughs> obviously, he's right. not going to just go with the flow. So that's probably another reason why he might have failed. But, uh, yeah, ironically, for those of you who don't know, um, Mike McCarthy was the offensive coordinator for the 49ers, and they chose Alex Smith over Aaron Rodgers. And then it was like the very next year, Mike McCarthy gets the head coaching job in Green Bay, and they said Aaron gave him hell over that the entire time they were together. Like, yeah. Who do you think you are? I am. Somebody said, yeah, exactly. Somebody said that Aaron would say in meetings, what about, oh, check down Charlie out there in San Fran that you chose over me, Mike? He'd <laughs> say all kinds of stuff. So I'm not saying that's the right way to handle it, but that's that whole Michael Jordan mentality, right? Mm -hmm. uh, that whole, hey, good luck, Mike. <laughs> that's all I needed. <laughs> you know what I mean? You um, know what else I loved about that was Goody in there. Oh, yeah. Goody, you yeah. know, he, he made he made the tough choice when he had to. And, um, you know, the, the choice was immeasurable for, for this franchise and this organization. Yeah, And I think that you got to look at the Jordan Love pick you know, almost hand in hand, you know, sort of same tree. Um, and uh, I, I think he's, you know, willing to make those tough decisions. That's why he is a good GM because we fan with the heart and he fans with decisions and, and business, you know, choices moving forward. Yeah. <laughs> Not at the Roxbury agrees there. I totally agree, man. That's well said. I like what he said about Ted was never uh, the type to shy away from doing the right thing. Right. Even if it pissed a bunch of people off, he knew what was right and what was in the best interest of uh, 1265. And that's how he acted uh, with every decision, whether we agreed with it or not, whether it panned out or not. We know Ted in his heart of heart believed it was the right decision. You know, mm -hmm. right. Yeah. And, and I say that because we, we talked about quarterbacks earlier today. And the reason I want to show that clip is because 
there was someone in the chat earlier that was going, yeah. oh, that, shut up about quarterback. That's so stupid. It's such a bad take. And I'm going, you sound just like those guys back then. <laughs> I know a quarterback that might have something to say. I got some advice for y'all. Take two weeks off, then quit. <laughs> and he was the one caught up in it. <laughs> he really was. They said, uh, you know, and, and it's so cool to hear Andrew Brandt tell his side of the story. Andrew Brandt was one of the ex members of the executive you know, group in Green Bay, kind of the front office, if you will, handling contracts and everything around that time. And they said immediately Brett's camp started hammering them. Like, what are we doing? Why are we drafting him? This and that. Right. And rightfully so, you know, like, I mean, Hey, look, he's coming for your job. You still wanting to play. It's the same thing that Aaron had to deal with. Aaron handled it. 1,000% better than Favre did, though. I mean, he literally took Jordan under his wing, and then Aaron started trying to push his own way out of the organization a little bit. Like, hey, let's just – he like he almost – In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. I'm not saying it was it was the 100% only reason that he was you know acting the way he was, but it was you could tell there was a little bit of that. It's not fair to Jordan to be to have to sit like this either, right? Because they. Literally, Andrew Brandt said that Aaron's camp was complaining to him going, hey, how long is this guy going to play? And Brett's camp was arguing to them going, hey, you know, you know how hard it is for him to go in the meet and knowing his replacements in there every every day. And then you find out later on that that Aaron caught him grandpa in front of him. <laughs> yeah. like, so anyway, interesting conversation. Reef says uh, young Aaron Rodgers, did we ever know how good he would be? Nobody did. If they did, he would have been number one overall pick. We all know that. Right. So hindsight's 2020, man. Um, Eric Sutherland said, damn, this this got me in my feelings. Thanks, Clay. Mm -hmm. I love stuff like that, man. I'm telling you, that documentary, you guys, I can't believe it doesn't have more views. It's right. phenomenal. It's, again, it's called uh it's called Legacy. Um, if you just if you search YouTube search Packers Legacy, it'll pull up the whole set. And it is and I've watched it once or twice, but man, even just hearing it that second time, you pick out new nuggets each time you each time you're listening to that thing. It's powerful, man. There's no doubt about it. Uh Drew D said it was Jeff Tedford. So I think I got the last name right there. So, yeah, he was the uh, the coach for Aaron in college. And, you know, I, like I said, it, it seemed like they were both going to be really, really good quarterbacks. But Alex was just kind of squeaky clean. And Aaron had a couple of things, you know, the, his his ball carriage, all that stuff. 
was you know his carriage was a little high, and then like we said, some of the alpha stuff behind the yeah. scenes, that type of and, thing. And also, once you start falling, that can be kind of like hot potato with the teams. You know, they're kind of like, oh, they they didn't take them. Oh, we don't want them. No, yeah. we're passing it. It's like a domino effect. Everyone starts passing, and that's how these guys they just drop down tears. Momentum's a real thing, man, in, in every aspect of life, sports, whatever. And what what happens is one guy doesn't take them, then the next few teams they don't need a quarterback, and then the next one that does need a quarterback is going, why didn't they take him? What's wrong with him? What did right. they find? Right? And they just it keeps trickling down. In the meantime, Ted's watching him fall, going, this guy's going <laughs> to run right in our free. That's over there, like, yeah. And Bob, I love how Bob Harlan said, Ted, it's your team. You, hey, you do what you do. You know, right. I got your back. And then he went to John Schneider. was like, hey, this guy's good, right? <laughs> Please tell me this guy's good. <laughs> I love it, man. I love it when grown men can actually talk about things that they were hesitant on. You know what I mean? Like little insecurities and things. I just think it's awesome. But uh, all right. Anyway, let's get to a little bit of free agency slash draft talk. Now, you guys know we hit um, – we talked about the coaches. That's kind of at a stalemate right now as far as – potential defensive coordinators we'll keep we'll let you guys know if anything breaks obviously you guys in the chat you see anything come across the old twitter wire you let us know in here too but um we talked about the potential candidates there the other day we talked about our needs on defense we said we could use as many as four safeties i mean it's pretty a pretty empty safety room right Mm -hmm. so we said at least one starter possibly two starters a couple backups right um, defensive line, we said uh, a potential starter. And, and I, look, I know we got Devontae White. I know we got Carl Brooks, but we I don't think anybody believes that we've got that nose tackle, that guy who can play nose tackle and three technique and, and be dominant doing it at this specific moment. So um, that's something we kind of climbed into. Linebackers, we said we need a starting linebacker next to uh, next to Quay. Um, and if Devondre beats him out or beats Quay out, you start the, the best two. We also said we needed a backup linebacker, so two total. And uh, then we talked about cornerbacks potentially needing four corners when you look at how they grade out, right? You've got Jair. And, again, these don't have to be starters, but you're looking to fill that roster out a little bit. Now, we we all agree we want Keyshawn Nixon back for the returnability. And you know what? That's the floor for your nickel corner. Just doing a quick recap there. Ed didn't like that. Ed is like, what are you thinking, dude? You hear the bar like, bro, you think we need four cornerbacks? Have you lost your mind? Um, so – Let's jump over to the offensive side of the ball. All right. Offensive line. I think we would all agree we got to do something with right guard, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it, it was pretty much cheeks all year long. You know, you, Runyon was cheeks. Uh, Sean Ryan was cheeks. Royce Newman is buried so far in the depth chart. I, th- I think he might be cleaning toilets in the atrium at this point. Like, we have heard from him in forever. So, we're going to look at offensive line free agents. And the goal here is to identify – players that we go, you know what, for that price that's projected contract, I think it'd be worth signing him. Not that you're going to get all these guys, but these are guys that you might want to target. What we came away with was linebacker Bobby Wagner for $4 million, safety Geno Stone for $6.5 million, Alohi uh, Gilman at $2.7 million, and then we talk about Darnell Savage being potentially $5 million, right? So let's dive into the offensive line. Let's hit these super chat before we do it. Seth Ruder says, Hey guys, I'm against keeping Barry in the building. I feel it undermines the next DC also safety or cornerback first. Yeah, we, we definitely, we definitely disagree on that. Seth uh, respectfully disagree that I don't see how it undermines them. Um, 
He's not getting any other offers as a DC anywhere else. The players absolutely love him. I know some people are convinced they don't, but it's been pretty unanimous across the board. The players love him. Um, everyone in the organizations love him. The local media has talked about how he's the nicest guy in the building. Matt LaFleur has voiced his opinion on him, saying that he's one of the best men he's ever coached with. I think the locker room's stronger, the building's stronger with him there. That's just me personally. Right. Again, my thought, my thought is if even if it is. I mean, how would it undermine him? Wouldn't it be worse on Joe Barry? Like, you know, thinking Absolutely. about it, wouldn't it be like, oh man, I'm I'm sticking, you know, sticking around even. But if he, if that's what he wants, if he cares about this team, about this organization, what's the problem with that? I mean, yeah, it didn't work out as DC, but he, I, you don't think he brings something? I mean, he wasn't. How good was Campbell when he was at, you know, working him in, inside linebacker sort of thing? You know, maybe we get him back in there. That's right. Sort of thing. Could be, yeah. And, you know, the other thing, if, if I try to see it from Seth's standpoint, I always look at precedent, Seth, right? Like what has happened in the past? And it's – I don't know – I'm sure it has happened, but it's so rare that a D.C. gets relieved of his duties and he stays in the building, right? Yeah. So right. past, you know, precedent would, would you know, suggest it's not going to happen. And I don't think it's a slam dunk. He does stay in the building. I just don't see it as that issue, me personally. I think it's never, more – I've never felt like it was like Joe Barry is the defensive coordinator anyway. It was almost like Matt handpicked a guy that, hey, I'm going to tell you exactly what we're going to do, and you go out there and run your scheme, but you approach it from this standpoint. You know, we had Paul Brettel on. Remember, Tim? And Paul Brettel said, I think that uh, I think that Matt LaFleur needs to shoulder a little bit of this blame, right, because he's, he's the one making the calls, right? And I know – the Barry haters don't want to hear that, but I think there is a little bit of that. What were you going to say, Tim? I'm sorry. I just, was just going to say, I mean, if we bring in a DC that's got like a totally different philosophy, you know, I could see this being valid. So once we get a hire, I think we'll be able to better gauge whether or not it's even possible or plausible that Joe Barry stays on as a, a linebacker coach or, or whatever role that may be. But, um, right. you know, it happens in the NFL, right? You know, you've yeah. seen guys as head coach. I mean, look at Dan Quinn, right? I mean, that guy was a head coach for a number of years, went to a Super Bowl, you know, and now he's a DC. I mean, guys bounce around, they move up and down. It does happen. Um, but I do think whoever the new hire is, that's going to that's gonna have a lot of bearing on whether or not it's even an option to keep Joe Barry. And quite honestly, maybe a handful of other guys on the staff as well. You know, we, we talk about that. New DC might want his own input and some of his own staff, so. We'll see. Yeah. Definitely. Seth Ruder, the, the second part to his super chat, he said, also, safety or cornerback first? I think he's asking which would you take first. Safety. For me, it's best available, too. Like, if you've got a cornerback that's two tiers higher on your draft board than the, the top safety, go corner. You that's know? right. That's, that's what they mean by draft draft uh, best player available, right? It's not, But your gut's telling you safety if you have the option, right? Right, right. Yeah, so exactly. I knew it. All right. <laughs> oh, no, yeah. If 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 you say Clayton, draw the perfect scenario. What's the you you get a chance to pick the best prospect available. You get to pick what position they play, and they'll play it as good as any position on the field. To me, free safety is right there. You know, uh, and, and I put it ahead of that tier one position of interior defensive line because you've got Kenny Clark there, you've got Devontae Wyatt which we know he's really, really weak in the run game. You've got Carl Brooks, who finished the season really strong, and you have no one in the safety room, right? So I would lean towards safety, Seth, if that's what you're asking. Um, if, you know, if it was a perfect world, you had two prospects, both in the same tier on your on your draft board, same draft grade, 
I'm going safety over corner personally. So uh, appreciate the super chat, buddy. Mike Witt with the super chat said, draft an inside linebacker in the draft, cut 59. Dude is done, in my opinion. You can cut him. You can do that. Um, you free up $2 million. I would rather have him on the roster. Um, it's something that was talked about by multiple players this year, how he's a leader in the locker room. I know people don't like him on social media because he calls them out for acting like jackasses, but, you know, that's life, right? Sounds like life to me. Um, I like to do. Uh, now, if it's something that, uh, you know, I, I'm not saying you should try to force him in there as a starter. If he continues to play at the level he played at this past season, he's not starting caliber. There's no two ways about it. Now, was it the injuries? Was it, you know, he's getting a little older now. I think he's going to be 31 this year if he's not 31 already. Um, he's definitely not in the future plans. When you look at that contract they signed him to, it's a little iffy, man. You know, do you 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 talked about possibly, you know, we, we just mentioned it, bringing Bobby Wagner in on a, mm-hmm. on a one year deal mm-hmm. or a two year deal. Is right. there room on this roster for two older uh, linebackers like this? And d- does freeing up two million, uh, you know, with a release with with Dre, does that you're like halfway to Bobby Wagner, aren't you? What do we have the market value on him? It's a good point. It's a very good point. Um, you could free up the two million, and then, like Drew D pointed out, you clear them off the cap for next year, right? right. So you're kind of you're freeing up even more cap in that regard. You can go that route. Um, I just I don't weigh it out like okay, that's two million towards Wagner. Here, here listen, if you want to sign players, you can make it happen. I mean, if you don't believe me, go look at the Saints cap situation. Every year they're anywhere from sixty to eighty million over the cap this time of the year. And then magically they're back under the cap before the start of the season, right? I'm not saying the cap is fake. The cap is very real from a date-sensitive standpoint, right? You've got to get under that cap. That's how you end up having to cut loose Zadarius Smith. That's how you end up having to uh, trade Devontae Adams because you couldn't get the long-term deal done. You didn't want to have to shoulder that whole franchise tag hit that year. Like that whole date-sensitive stuff is real. But you can make it work either way. So $2 million. I'm really not that concerned about Tim. I would rather have that depth at linebacker, that leadership at linebacker. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's kind of how I see that. Because, you know, by the time you get to next year, you're going to have a lot more cap room freed up because Bach's going to be off the roster. Um, Aaron Jones's contract will probably be adjusted. There'll be a ton of different things. Now you'll be looking to jump into Jordan Love's new contract extension if and, and when they do that, if they do it in May. That'll start hitting in 2025, so even then it won't even come in factor. Um, I'm just kind of looking at it from that standpoint. Now, are you saying I strongly disagree? Do I strongly disagree with them cutting him? No, I don't think it's like, oh, my God, what are we going to do if they do decide to cut him? It's just if I was choosing, I would rather have him be that third linebacker, especially if you decide to go with someone from Kansas City, San Francisco, or New Orleans, or any of these other 43 teams where you would need a third linebacker in the lineup, right? You know? Right. Um, the thought of him playing Will, you know, kind of gets yeah. me a little bit excited. Because you know? you're thinking, you're thinking Campbell, as those three backers are inside backers. We're, we're not going to be putting Rashawn or, you know, Preston mm-hmm. as the, the back three is what you're saying, right? Yeah. Right. yeah okay. Well, you'd be like uh, Quay, Dre, and McDuffie or right. – Right. Quay, Quay Dre and Bobby Wagner or something. Because that's it. I mean, if you're committing to that, we're going to need him. You know, if, right. if we're going to go three wide at backer, we're going to need someone like that that we can at least count on. You know, we we know where the floor is sort of thing. That's why we need to figure out our coordinator so we can start talking about stuff like this. <laughs> right. And if you go to 4-3, Emilio, you know, what's going to change immediately is 
Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith will now become defensive ends. And yep. in the near. That's what happens, right? right? Immediately. So you're down to linebackers in the linebacker room, but now you no longer need four on the on the 34 jam front. You're just going to need three in your 43, whether you play under, over, just straight up. Um, yeah, but uh, Mike, so Mike's saying he's done, cut him. I think, Tim, you kind of, am I? Am I misunderstanding you? You kind of agree with Mike, like, hey, maybe we do just go ahead and cut ties with him, free up that two. No, I'm just saying, do we look at, are they looking at that and taking those numbers into consideration when you're looking at potential available free agents? Because honestly, I mean, it sounds foolish, right? I mean, you go from a 31 year old Devondre Campbell to a 35 year old Bobby Wagner. How old is Bobby Wagner? You know what I mean? Like, it's not. It's, it doesn't look good on the surface. So, right, and right. I, actually, when we first brought this up a few days ago, is I, you know, I'm all for Dre playing playing here in Green Bay. You know, I don't I don't want to see him go. Um, I'm with you. I think we already have that veteran presence and leadership at that spot in this locker room, and I think we need to put some other talent around him um, so he can help mold these guys as they become pros. Because I feel really good about uh, Zay McDuffie. Um, and, uh, you know, Quay had kind of a down year, but, you know, not, not completely down. Um, you right. know, certainly a guy who's still improving and, and coming into his own as a pro and, you know, hopefully year three is lights out, you know? So I, I feel good about those three, you know, at linebacker for sure. Gotcha. Yeah. It, we're going to find out real quick as soon as the DC is hired, right? Now, if they go with someone in house and nothing changes about the scheme, hold on tight, right? There's going to be some upset fans, I think, and uh, you're going to you're really your your roster isn't going to turn over that much. Now, if you go with a Baltimore, a new DC from Baltimore, and they run that multi front, you're probably going to keep your roster pretty well intact from a 34 standpoint, right? And then you'll you'll have maybe a hybrid defensive end or two when you do want to go with those 43 looks, that type of thing. Because I mean. The, the only difference, guys, is your base defense, your 34 jam as opposed to a 43 with three stack backers. That's the only difference. When we play nickel, it's the same as a 4-3 nickel. You've got two edge defenders, two interior defensive linemen. Mm -hmm. Typically, your defensive linemen are a little bit bigger when you've got a 34 base roster um, as opposed to a 43. You're going probably more in that 280 range, 285. There's 300-pounders defensive tackles in a 43, of course, but – uh it's just not ideal. You want a little bit leaner defensive tackle there in the middle for those uh, those two spots. So uh, Mike Witt said, Cooper DeGene is my draft crush this year, guys. He's a You're not the only one, Mike. People absolutely love Cooper DeGene, bro. Um, I'm not big on him, just to be honest. I mean, I think he's a good prospect and all, but he's pretty far down on my draft board. Granted, it's not finished yet. He may rise back up it by the time I get all the information in. But I was really surprised, man. When I added in my first four components, I was like, why is everybody so in love with Cooper DeGene? I just can't figure it out. So, um, but again, I'm in the minority, Mike. You're definitely in the majority there, but thank you for the super chat. All right, let's talk about offensive line. Let's see what the free agent market looks like with offensive line. Y'all ready for this? Let's do it. All right, here we go. Let's uh let's take a quick peek here. Let me get on the right screen. Can you guys see that okay? Or do we need we probably need to go full screen, don't we? You want to go full screen? Yeah, there, there that's a little right. better. And you guys, listen, cut me off, chime in at any point, okay? We're going to go – we're going to start with centers, all right, because this is everyone's kind of crush here. I think it was someone um, – was it uh, – no. Okay, no, nobody mentioned it in here. I know it was Drew D. earlier today or yesterday mentioned um, Connor Williams kind of being his guy. So when you look at the center position, right, um, the 37th overall ranked 
free agent, according to PFF, is Connor Williams from Miami. And it's really, really intriguing because one year, six million is the projected contract. He's 26 years old. So if he's if he's really that good, you'd be okay with giving him a two to three year deal because you can get out of the third year. Typically, the way contracts work in the NFL gang, if you sign a one year deal, you're pretty much good for one year. Right. If you sign a two year deal, it's still kind of a one year deal. If you sign a three year deal, it's really just a two year deal, meaning you can get out of it with minimal damage in that third year. Right. So if he's if he's going to be 27 by the time the season starts. Right. You give him a a three year deal. You can get out when he's 29 if he does hit the wall. Now, he could continue to play at a decent level, but his PFF grade starting in 2021, 75.2, 78.4, 86.5. Keep in mind, he plays for Mike McDaniel. Right. What does that mean? Similar terminology, pretty much the same exact terminology, same coaching tree, same style of play. They just do it a little bit different with personnel as opposed to a lot of 11. Last I checked, they ran a lot of 21 personnel. That could have changed here recently, though. He may have switched up and went to 11 with those really good receivers they have down there with Waddle and and obviously Tariq Hill. But solid guy right here. I mean, if you're telling me we could get him for three years, $6 million per, and then have it kind of front-loaded to where that third year, the guarantee's pretty much up and you can uh, – you can that, cut them for minimal. I'm all on board with that, guys. What do that, you think? That, that last sentence in the in the write up there is alarming. Mm-hmm. Suffered a torn ACL in week 14. So a couple months ago, he tore his ACL. What? Ooh. You know what that means, Tim? Screaming deal time. You know, you pick oh, yeah. him up. No. You oh, you're right. Yep. Uh, yeah. I'm not saying it's a, it's a, like, let's write this guy off. I'm just saying that's a, that's a gigantic. Oh, yeah. Deal. Alert, it's alert. huge. It's absolutely huge, man. Think about it. Um, Gary tore his toward the end of the year, and he was a freaking nature. He came back in like nine months, right? Mm-hmm. So, not everybody's cut from that cloth, though, right? No. Is this and, guy cut from that cloth? Is he gonna rehab that quick? Because we've seen the other end of the spectrum with, with knee injuries, too. Yeah, mm-hmm. and Gary's, Gary's not carrying as much weight as Connor Williams, right? Right, right. So, right. Um, different movements. Gary's going forward, Connor's going backwards most of the time. And, yeah, and Gary's not always crouching and spotting or, you know, squatting down and turning, you know, that's like brutal on the knee. It's like a catcher in baseball, right, Clayton? Like yeah. there's not a catcher alive who plays a long, long time and has good knees. No, no. I mean, it took um, me a year after my ACL. So, I mean, it's, <laughs> but. And, you know, here's the thing too. Like I, you guys know, I lean towards the players on this show. I tend to have sympathy towards the players. This is the prime example. When a, when a player holds out for a new contract and they're in the last year of their deal, this is why they do it. Like, think of the money he would have brung in had he not tore his ACL. Right. 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 This is probably somewhere around $10 million as opposed to six. That's why they hold out. They want to get that guarantee. Now, he, he doesn't hold out for a contract. He doesn't get an extension, tears his ACL in week 14, and now he's, he's like, well, crap, I guess I'm just out $5 million. Five million, my career may be over. Hmm. All because I wanted to be nice for the team and not hold out for my money. Like that's why I try to see the other side of that coin from time to time. Yeah. But that ACL, man, I'm having a hard time writing him on the list here, boys. So do y'all do y'all agree or no? I put him on a list with a with an asterisk. You know, like let's just uh, meet, you know, potentially. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got to remember too. Our our, our uh, current center is kind of you know, finishing strong. So, um, and he's, you know, got a lot of love in that green Bay locker room already. So mm-hmm. you never know center might not be the first place we go on the offensive line. Yeah. 
No doubt. Right. And uh, I mean, he started at left guard there, you know, with the Cowboys. So maybe he is flexible, you know, to go back, something like that. I mean, if he's a universal piece, I would be, you know, I would be all right with that. Yeah, yep. for sure. All right. So uh, next is Andre James. Um, PFF grade 64.8, 62.8, 74.6. He's 26 years old. He'll be 27 by the time the season starts. Um, played for the Raiders. So not similar terminology there, although I'm sure he can learn it. You're looking at three years, nine million per year. I'm not interested. How about you guys? Uh, no, I mean, no. Just too up and down for me with the grades too. That's what I was looking at. And the snap counts too, Josh. At that point, yeah. So uh, Lloyd Cushenberry um, is next. Sixty-four point two, fifty-six point two, seventy-three point three. Twenty-six years old. Look at his projected contract, guys. Four years, fourteen point two million per. Ooh, Lord, that's wild. That mm-hmm. is absolutely wild. No thanks from me. You guys? Yeah, I'll pass. All right, uh, Aaron Brewer. This is uh, twenty-six years old, center from Tennessee. Three years, six million per, six point six million per. His PFF grades were fifty-seven point nine, fifty-nine point nine, seventy-one point six. Still too inconsistent for me there. Um, you guys? Huge, huge jump though in in yeah. twenty three. I consider it. You consider it for six point yeah. six. Okay. All right, Aaron Brewer. Then you got Tyler. Huh. I wish Jacob was here. How do you say that one, boys? Yeah, yeah, You crushed it. You absolutely crushed it. Sixty five point one, sixty point five, sixty nine point two. Twenty six years old. Three years, seven million per. Pass. Yeah. You see, I'm I'm not seeing anything here that I'm like this is the guy. Yeah, and the only right. one that the only one that was was the ACL, right? So, um, same thing here: fifty nine point five, fifty eight point zero, sixty six point one for Coleman Shelton from the LA Rams, uh, five point three million per. I'm just not seeing it. Um, none of these guys, right? So that's no. pretty much it. That's your in your top uh, top one hundred and thirty one free agents. So nobody on the list, right? Am I thinking right? You want me? Anybody y'all want me to put down? No. Okay. Let's move on to guard. Let's see what we got with the guard position here. Potential free agents. You know, again, they can still be franchise tag. They can still be re-signed by their team. They'll have first dibs on it, if I understood correctly, on re-signing them. Let's start off with Kevin Dotson, 27 years old. Projection here. He played for the L.A. Rams. Projection is four years, $17.2 million per year. His PFF grade, 64.5, 65.4, and then 84.4, the second highest graded guard. With that kind of money, I feel like it's out of our range. Um, I don't I don't think we're looking to dump that much money into a right guard. I don't know how you guys feel. I feel like you spend your money on your top three offensive linemen. Zach Tom, you're catching a break right now. You're going to have to give him a contract in the next couple of years. You've got uh, Bakhtiari's eating up a ton of cap right now. Elton Jenkins got the bag. Those are your three cash cows right now, right? So yeah. it's like I'm not looking for anyone with a cap hit of over $8 million, really. I don't know how you guys feel, but that's kind of how I'm seeing that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Next one's Robert Hunt. We're looking for deals like we like we found there with Geno Stone and, and Alohi uh, Gilman, right? That's what we're kind of looking for. Uh, guard Robert Hunt from Miami, 27 years old. Uh, last, or His last three PFF grades starting in 2021, 67.4, 72.3, 76.4. Um, they, he looks like he's he's looking at getting somewhere around $17.5 million as well. Um, that's a no-go for me. Yeah, I mean, money-wise, for sure. And, so, and the PFF grade is, you know, 
I mean, again, a little bit of an improvement over the years. And then right. seeing that he's a, you know, zone, zone rushing attack kind of dude here uh, coming from uh, McDaniel's system is kind of intriguing. But I, I'm with you, Clayton. I probably know on this one. I mean, is Miami going to have a line? Like, what are they <laughs> and they got Christian Wilkins at, at uh, defensive tackle that they have to right. too. Like, just wild. They're you can see, man. You got you got small windows of time in the NFL. Mm-hmm. But then, I mean, if you wait long enough, maybe maybe the one you know you were eyeballing is still there. You give him a deal, and we're out of here. Right. So what I'm going to do is to go through them a little quick here at the guard position. We're just going to talk about the money, and if it's not in our range, we won't even look at it. This guy's kind of in that range, right? Yeah. Kevin Zeitler uh, from Baltimore, two years, $7.5 million per year. Uh, PFF grade 75.1, 74.7, According to PFF, he's declined every year. His age, 33 34. years old. Yeah, he's going to be 34. Gonna be, yeah, going to be 34. Yes. That's a no-go for me. Uh, Dalton Reisner from uh, Minnesota. Three years, eight million per. That's kind of teetering over that, over that cap that we're looking to spend at that position. Obviously, sixty-eight point five, sixty-one point one, fifty-seven point one. No go for me. Um, you guys, same pass. Yeah. Okay. Urza, Ezra, Ezra, what Ezra, Ezra. What a name! All right. Somebody was smoking the old uh, devil's lettuce when they named that job. <laughs> Ezra Cleveland. Uh, somebody watching right now, watch their comment, and their name is Ezra. I guarantee you. <laughs> right in my mouth. Um, three years, nine and a half million per PFF grade, 68.6, <laughs> 73.4, Just really inconsistent, right, um, as far as according to PFF. 25 mm-hmm. years old, though, that's probably why he's looking at somewhere around 10 million per. Um, too inconsistent for me. It's not knocking my socks off there. Right. Yeah, I'm um, with you. All right. Damian Lewis, 10.5 million per um, 26 years old. PFF grades up and down 57, 72, 59. We'll move on from that. There's our boy, John Runyon. I love seeing our guys come up and go, okay, how's he stacking up? The projected contract, they're expecting him to get over 6 million, over six and a half million in the market. Right. His PFF grades, 64.6, 62.6, 56.5. So he's declined every year. He's 26 years old. He'll be uh, right at 27 when the when the se- season starts, I would imagine, or close to it. He'll 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 turn 27 during the season next year. Um, just too much. I mean, we've seen it firsthand, right, guys? Mm-hmm. I'm I mean, not going to tell the last sentence. The former six rounder can get his feet crossed up and end up on the ground more frequently than you'd like, particularly yeah. when you ask to pull a reach block. Right. And what do we try to do in Green Bay? We run pin and pull yeah, all the exactly. time. I couldn't run pin and pull. Listen, I, w- I weigh 195 pounds. I couldn't. I'm not athletic enough to run pin and pull. I'm not judging. We're not but, asking you to do it. We need John is, Runyon to do it. <laughs> I just want listeners to know Clayton's not sitting over here going, these guys can't run pin and pull. That This dude is on the ground a lot, man. Yeah. And I hate it because we seen the video the other day. I mean, it's just – listen, if he goes out and gets $6.5 somewhere, and it, and part of it will be because of his pedigree, the fact that his dad, he's a second-generation you know, second generation athlete and – his dad was so good in the league for so long. Go get your money, John Runyon. Go yeah. get it. But and if I not, just, you know, you talk about getting a discount. I yeah. mean, there, we just looked at two or three guys higher up on the list that aren't grading much higher than he is. Very for good. A, point. a lot more money. Yeah, very good point. I think I would rather at this point than bring John Runyon back. I would try to replace him in the draft. You yeah, might yeah. and Goody Goody can draft offensive linemen. My yep. God. That's I mean, the vibe I'm getting based on how far we've made it through the list here. Hit, yeah. You know, just running up on his name, and I'm leaning towards the draft too for this. 
Yep. And that was the whole purpose of this exercise is to go, okay, is there anyone out there that we like, right? Jonah Jackson, 10, uh, 10 and a quarter, not interested. John Simpson, 5.25 million. He's 26 years old. PFF grades, though, 53, 59, 56. Um, you've got Graham Glasgow, thirty, going to be 32 years old uh, during the season, 65, 59, 74. I'm not interested. Nope. Oh, Greg, look at this guy. Greg Van Roten. All right, here we go. 33 years old, $2.7 million is his projected contract. Bring his him PFF grades. 68.1, 57.6, 75.3. I would be okay with something like this for about two and a half million. I would be all right with it. Because you got someone who played at a decent level last year. Guys, he graded out as the eighth highest guard in the entire league. You know it's going to be a one-year deal. Maybe that's the type of person you plug and play there at right guard and you take some swings in the draft, right? You can kind of say, okay, we solidify the right guard position for half of what we paid Josh Nyman to scratch his butt on the bench this year, right? I mean, let's be honest about it. That Especially if your philosophy is let's load up and win one one right now, you know? Yeah, right. You I'm going to put him down. Like that. For that price, I'm going to put him down just as a as an option, okay? Yeah. Um, see, so that's guard. Let me write this down real quick. Yeah, I mean, either him or if we go back to the center, Dick, I, I would put Connor back on the list after looking at everybody else. <laughs> right. I mean, you know, I would I would give that one a shot because, I mean, he's young. You could get him on a deal. If it, if he proves it, we could, you know, spread it out. But Yeah, um, and you, if you don't get anything in the draft and you were to get Connor and you're taking advantage of that discount because of the ACL, you plug Sean Ryan into right guard, right, and you just roll with it, and then the second that – Greg wrote, or the second that Connor Williams is healthy, you play him at guard, or you maybe move Myers to guard and play him at center, right? Something along those lines. But you guys take a peek real quick at the super chats, make sure I'm not missing any because uh, I'm deep into the screen. I can't see anything. Please let me know if we see any. They were saying that Van Rotten was a Packer before. Yeah. I, I want to say he it was. Did we draft him? Was he drafted by us? I don't know, man. Um, Wait, I know I, he did spend a brief amount of time here in Green Bay. Yeah, maybe it was like an undrafted free agent or something, you know, yep. something like that. Oh, I done lost my spot. See, that's why you don't click on stuff like that, guys. <laughs> we learned our lesson. All right, we're back. Look how quick, man. NASA computer engaged. All right, let's go to tackles. Hey, I found out about Van Van Roten. He was signed by us as an undrafted free agent. There we go. There we go. Thanks, Carly. Good stuff. Good stuff. Um. So, I, you know, I don't hate that idea. And I do have Connor Williams wrote down here for $6 million, Emilio, as a, as a potential option. So, okay. um, all right, let's move on to tackle real quick. These are going to get expensive, I guarantee it. But you got uh, Tyron Smith from the Dallas Cowboys. They're seeing one year, $10 million, um, 33 years old. Last year he graded out 83.7. He graded as high as 90.2 in 2021, took a step back in 2022. And then, of course, in 2023, uh, this past year, 83.7, the fourth highest graded tackle in the league. Would you be willing to do that and slide Tom to right guard? No. You, you know what I mean? I, I, I don't like the idea on the surface. Uh, what, what do you got? Does anybody disagree with that? Does anybody think, yeah, I can do that. We could do that. Mm. No? Negative. Okay. All right. Next is Trent Brown, 30 years old, going to be 31 this year, uh, played for the Patriots. His projected contract is $7.5 million, 74.4, 67.4, 80.3. 10th highest graded tackle that's getting in that range where I'm like one year rental, maybe, maybe I'm going to pass though. You guys. Yeah. Yeah. Look at the snap counts. 
I don't know, like inconsistency with snaps. Like, oh, yeah. is he right. available? Is he not? Basically played a half a season for two out of those three years, right, Tim? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Makes sense. All right. Mike Onwenu, I think I'm saying that right. Another New England Patriot uh, offensive line. Like you said, Emilio, the Patriots ain't going to have enough offensive yeah. line on the field, right? Um, they, what's crazy, though, is they got something like 70 or 80 million in cap space this year. Oh, wow. So when you factor in the fact that you could still maneuver contracts and free up even more money, if they wanted to spend a hundred million dollars as free agency on one year worth of cap hits, they could do it. Uh, that's the shape that Bill Belichick left that team in. Um, so let's see uh, with uh, Amanu, you got four years, 14 and a half million per. He's 26 years old, 86.7, 79.3, 71.5. He's kind of trending down. Although we know, their offense has been booty cheeks, probably get a lot to do with it. Um, I'm going to say no to 14 and a half million. I'm imagining you guys are too, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right, cool. Milk, uh, Mickey Becton, one year, 5 million, 67.3, no grade in 2022. He was out the entire year to the best of my knowledge. And then this past year, 53.2. So no, 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 no. I don't care if you were asking for a minimum. Uh, <laughs> we've got plenty of that to go around. So. Uh, Jonah Williams, 26 years old, 16 million per year, 74.5, 61.058.5. No, too much money, obviously. Uh, Jermaine Elmanor, I think I'm saying that right. Uh, two years, 7.2 million. PFF grade, 59.8, 75.3, 68.5, 29 years old. Um, that's a no go for me. Um, yeah, Josh Jones, if you guys disagree, just speak up. We'll roll through. Josh Jones, um, two years, seven and a half million. He's 26 years old, 46.8, jumped to 75.8, and then only on 233 snaps went back down to 49.6. No, no, sir. Donovan Smith, two and a half million for a 30, going to be a 31-year-old. He graded out 80.5, then 59.3, 56.8. No reason to think he's going to recover. George Fant. $4 million on a one-year deal, going to be 32 years old, 71.148.4, 61.7. Then you got Cam Fleming, um, $2.5 71.7, 72.6, then dipped to a 59.4. He is 31 years old. With 100 so, snaps, maybe he got hurt. Yeah, something happened there. Um, Can I ask a quick question with that yeah. little blue? I can't see it under season grade and that blue um, oval beside it. What does that say? The blue oval right here, Carly? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's it. Says he's the 29th highest graded tackle out of 81. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's basically their position ranking. Yeah. So mm-hmm. um, now, what does that tell you? If the market, if the free agency market when it comes to offensive linemen is down, right? Then that tells you that the if the market's down, people are going to have to overpay to fill holes, right? It also tells you that now teams are going to be more aggressive in the draft to get offensive linemen. So you got to make a little mental note of that of, okay, don't be surprised if people are going to be trading up to get offensive linemen. Does that make sense? We, we did that last year. We talked about it with safety and we talked about it with tight end. We said the, the draft is heavy on tight ends. So we expect the tight end market to be down. And it was. The draft was light on safeties. We expected the market to be hot on safeties, and it was, right? So once we get the draft board completed as quick as possible or as close to done as possible, then we can take a quick glance back and go, okay, 
where are we, where's it top heavy at? Where are the really good prospects? That'll determine how aggressive people are in free agency. You guys remember, uh, I think it was Gasecki and a couple other tight ends. They sat forever, right? And the reason being is because teams were willing to pass because this was historically one of the best tight end classes in recent history. What did we do? We drafted two, right? So um, everything kind of lined up in that regard. Mike Witt says, Anthony Weaver from Ravens is my top choice for D.C. Good stuff, and I'll make a note of that, and we'll take a look at Anthony Weaver later on too. I like getting these names. This is a fun time of year. This mm-hmm. isn't going to last forever. They're going to make a pick soon enough, and you know what I mean? We're uh, – yeah, we're not going to be able to talk about this stuff again. But thank you so much for the super chat, Mike Whit. We appreciate you. Paul Robertson says Zotler is his cousin. No lie. Paul, <laughs> buddy, you lie to your friends. I'll lie to mine, but let's don't lie to each other, okay? How about that? Um, you call me anything you want, but don't call me anything. It's going to take a couple of daddy sodas to get me to believe that, Paul, but you may be telling the truth. I don't know, man. Um, yeah, there you go. So – Offensive line, we went through it. The only two we came away with was center Connor Williams, right? He's battling ACL. You probably wouldn't get him back till November would be my guess. Is a good, safe estimation one full year later. Um, and then uh, you had guard Greg Von Roten, all right? So that's kind of how we're looking at offensive line. What's your – let's just go around the horn here once, Tim. Um, start with – I mean, start with Carly. Based off of the names we covered, all right, and, you know, all the, the potential contracts with it. Would you be willing to sign either of those guys? Or do you think, you know what, let's just try to fix this problem in the draft? I say with the incredibly high, I feel like, importance on the offensive line, I would say try to go draft first, which I know it's hard to do at first because then you're, I mean, obviously the time is now to figure this out, but let's just see what's left over after the draft is my opinion. You could take multiple late round swings and potentially land another Zach Tom like Goody did. My goodness, mm-hmm. you know. And, and I don't know how many Zach Toms are out there because I remember Ryan Schlipp pointing it out on his pod. Like Zach Tom's my guy. He said that way before the draft even got here. He was talking about his versatility and just mm-hmm. his, you know, everything pointed towards, hey, this dude's going to be a good pro. And luckily we got him. I don't know how many of those are there are out there late in the draft, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah. I like that. And we and we have vets on the we have vets on the O line. So if we want to, we need to have some new people coming in so that we don't have a huge turnover all at once. And Mm -hmm. so I feel like the draft and getting some young people on the line is a is a better idea. Absolutely. It's well. I think somebody said too just now. Yeah, like Steve Drake said, our O line is fine. Um, You sure about that? (laughs) With the three X. You sure about that? Yeah, our, our running our running game took a, a big dip backwards this year. Now, they started to turn it on there towards the end, obviously. Um, you, you know, what I'm showing is you could get a starter at right guard, right, and two backups to make this roster a little better, right? Now, that's not – you're not going to break the bank for any of those, but if you get a deal like we talked about, like a Greg Von Roten, right, like that might be the – that might be the way to go, you know, and – they they seen something in him before, so you know he's going to be on the Packers' radar a bit if they can get him for the right price. If you can get him in here at two and a half million, I'd be okay with that because mm-hmm. you let Yash walk, right? You let Yash walk in free agency. You're not going to pay him the five million or whatever. We didn't even see him on that list, did we? That was strange. No, Yash didn't pop up. Let me just make sure. I thought he was on our free agent list. Let me check this one more time here, real quick, if I still got it. But if if that's, I mean, the thing I like about Connor is that even if he even if the knee is, you know, messed up at first, we get him on a one-year deal, see how he does, prove it. I mean, it's $6 million, but prove it, and we could still take a couple shots in the draft 
and then go from there. You know, and, and if he's young and he's good, hey, let's roll with it. If not, we got a couple backup, um, you know, offensive linemen we picked up later in the draft. Yeah. Emilio, Emilio, do you think that $6 million, I mean, I guess it does take into account his knee because it said that, but I don't see – was he playing so well that it, beforehand that it would warrant a $6 million gamble when, like, it's not like we're even going to see him perform before drafting him. I feel like it's a, such a huge gamble. We we know what bad ACL repairs look like, and I don't want to risk $6 million on it personally. What are you trying to say, Carl? Are you That's trying to say true. we've had bad ACLs here before? <laughs> That is that is very true. So I guess you would go back to you know Clayton's point when you bring up uh, you know what what was their draft grade on him you know coming out where where did they maybe have him sitting on their boards moving forward and say hey what was our potential on this guy uh, coming out of coming out of college and as far as the question Carly of how good was he from a center standpoint in tw- starting in twenty twenty one he was the tenth highest graded center then the fourth highest graded than the second highest graded. So he's gotten better every year now. Pretty good, yeah. Really take a step back, though. Right? Might be a totally different player with that ACL. Carly's um, right. That's a big gamble, you know. Big gamble, yeah. yeah it is. For a guy that could come up, you know, after a play and be saying. On my knee. Um, you, know. you bet that in the back pocket forever. Yeah, he's playing. <laughs> the first he's game. Could, could we offer him like two, you know, two, maybe 2.5? That is a gamble I would be willing to take because of how good he was. But I don't think a full six. You could you could offer it, you know, um, and see what the market determines, right? You can right. go out there and say, "Hey, look, we'll give you, we'll give you two million with some incentives that if you're if you're back by this date, then it jumps to this much. If you're back mm-hmm. by this date, it jumps to this much, um, and then you know, let the market kind of settle where it is, right? I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Maybe if if I'm understanding what you're saying, Carly, maybe it's something like, hey, what, what if we what if we went in there at two million? Worst he could say is no, right? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I don't. I don't necessarily just. I, just, I love a good deal. If you can pick them up on a deal, even yeah, with a little, sure. even with a little bit of work on them, I'm. We just got rid of the strength and conditioning coach, right? So I let's get this. We got the. We already got the new one in. He specifically handles knees and hamstrings, and we're off to the races. We are good to go. Emilio reminds me of a Christmas story. Huh? He said, "My my my old man could bargain like an Arab trader." You know what he said? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I don't know if that's appropriate today. I apologize if it is. But anyone's in the chat, but. Assuming. You're quoting somebody. You're quoting somebody. Yeah, you're it's fine. Oh, yeah, you're right. I was quoting that racist. There you go. Judy <laughs> in the chat. Six million is like one third of what he's worth. Um, healthy. No. <laughs> <laughs> he can block. That, yeah, was that was a long one. <laughs> yeah, I understand what you're saying. Yeah, so if you, you know, coming at two, two and a half million, I'd be okay with that gamble. And you, I'm not going to, so quit asking. <laughs> and you put him on the pup list, right? And you mm-hmm. uh, and you kind of move forward as if he's not even there. And then if he's healthy later, you got him for a push, right? So um, something to consider for sure. Um, we were going to kind of look at the draft prospects, but there's really no point. I had it keyed up where we could do a mock draft, but we're at the hour and four-minute mark. So we got through it. We talked a little Ted Thompson on the front side, which is the type of stuff you do in the offseason. Um yep. Yeah, so uh, we got a good glance at the market now, though, right, gang? So not really impressed with the offensive line market, which means people are going to be scrapping over them offensive linemen early. So if you have a good tackle fall to you at 25, where you go, man, I had him in the second tier, and we're currently drafting in what the range that should be the fourth tier on the draft board, take him. You know what I mean? Pull the trigger. So something to think about there. Let's uh, let's clean up in the chat here real quick. Deadfish said something. I really like this. He said, Michael Jackson Powers Johnson. I'm sorry. Yeah, 
Michael Jackson. Is that really his name? Uh, I know his last name is Powers Johnson. He says fixes our interior offensive line problems. I think he's one of, if not my highest graded as it sits right now, interior offensive line. Let's pull it up here real quick. You will see him in the blue right there in the 13 spot. So I've got him as the 13th highest prospect as it sits right now. Um, so, yeah, I completely agree, Deb Fish. If he falls to you at 25, I'd pull the trigger on that. I'd be totally great, totally fine with that pick, no doubt about it. Um, so uh, we're on the same page there. Let's see what else we got here in the chat real quick. <clears throat> Steve Drake says, draft a couple old tackles, no free agents. Yeah, probably the route we're going to be going here is what it seems like. Doug says, uh, Kyle, Leslie Frazier was a baller. Early he was interviewed so heavily with no takers. I'm the type of guy that would interview him just to see what others missed. Um, I like Leslie Frazier, but it just kind of left a sour taste in my mouth how it ended in Buffalo them kind of blaming each other after that that playoff loss last year, if I remember correctly. Um, and the way – if you don't like the way Joe Barry calls his defense in a, in a two-minute drill, you're not going to like Leslie Frazier. Go back and watch Kansas City just go right down the field on that Buffalo defense last year in the playoffs, right? I think it was last year when that happened. Uh, maybe – watch me look up. I'm getting so old. It was Clayton. That was six years ago. <laughs> not surprised me one bit. But uh, – uh, let's see. Steve Drake says uh, you have to be careful with DCs who are former head coaches. They're not used to being told what to do. I think that's a very real thing. I think that's a very fair statement. Um, Prince in the chat says uh, that profile pic. I think we have enough O-line vets and would rather see them add to the line in the draft versus free agency. So, yeah, pretty unanimous across the board. Jake Shavink from the It's Always Draft Season podcast, one of my favorite mm. podcasts to listen to. You can check it out by scanning that QR code in the upper right. That'll send you directly to Packernet Podcast, where you can find that podcast along with this stupid show. And uh, Ryan Schlipp's awesome Packernet podcast and his Packernet After Dark. So make sure you check yeah, that stuff. Yeah, we go. <laughs> Every time we promote it, we need to hit that sound button. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I'd rather go into the 2024 season with a depth-ridden O-line with two rooks rather than just leave it as a, quote, fine unit. Mm-hmm. I think he was he was replying to someone else in the chat. Mm-hmm. I'm not at the trenches. I agree. Yep. Coming up. Completely agree. John Schmidt go. says, fine is not the standard in Green Bay. Look at him, boy, coming in. I love it. Man. I love it. I absolutely love it. And Doug says, good luck cleaning up the chat, Clay. So <laughs> I've looked up and I have 128 live chats that I have not seen. So we're just could I in. could I respond to something Paul Robertson said? Yeah, I'll be careful, but yeah, go ahead. It's Paul Robertson. <laughs> All right, yeah, I'll show it. He says, So there's truth to J- the Jair being traded rumors. So I'm assuming those rumors came from what he posted on Instagram, right? Is that what know. people are thinking? Okay. So I saw, I saw that and I looked all the way through and he, so he's like posting, you know, thanks for the six great years, Green Bay and all this. And then it goes through pictures of him with the fans and signs and stuff and how much Green Bay loves him. But the very last thing is a little video of him walking, going like with this little grin, like, gotcha. Like, I think he's just stirring the pot and I don't think there's any way that he is getting traded or leaving or anything. So just my, my two cents. Yeah, I'm going to come Twitter real quick to see in case he just seen something else here. But okay, many people came away with that same that same opinion, Carly. I, I kind of looked at it a little bit different. It's not that I looked at it different, but I'm still going. Did we not learn from what just happened? Like, you know what I'm saying? Am I the only one like scratching my head? Like, how how do you, on earth do you look at this cornerback room and go, oh yeah, Trey Jair? <laughs> Where we stand right now? Paul said not conclusion? Inst- not Instagram, the Cardinals website. So 
Paul, if you could put in there what you were seeing. Podcast, I think it might have been. Oh, well, I'm sure there's plenty of teams that would want us to trade Jair to them. Of course. Oh, we're going to need a link here, brother. I'm, yeah, I'm calling Twitter. I trust Twitter. Twitter's where you get the real news, and I'm not seeing it here. You know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, I'm not uh, breaking. Oh, here we go. Two hours ago. Breaking. It's a Bears fan, by the way. My sources, in, <laughs> my sources inside of the Packers organization tell me that a deal with the New England Patriots has been agreed upon that would send superstar defensive back Jair Alexander to New England. Current details are unknown, but it's expected to be a mid-round. Yeah. And then when I click on his profile, it's a, it's a picture of DJ Moore, and he's got 521 followers. I think they might have been talking about Steve here. Said heard earlier on another pod that Cardinals want Jair and are willing to give the 27th or 35th pick. That's what they were trying to talk about. Yeah, I don't know, man. Let's try again. Thank you. Try yeah. again. The next the next tweet that pops up was three hours ago. It says Eagles should should target these free agents or trade for Hollywood Brown, Patrick Queen, Aziz Al Shair, Devin White, Frankie Louvu, a PS2, Jair <laughs> Alexander, and Winfield. <laughs> I'm guessing that's what PS2 means. I don't know. Maybe that's a nickname for someone. But uh, yeah. Oh, Patrick Sertain. There it is. There it is. <laughs> ah, there it is. Okay, got it. Yeah. I was like, eh, a PS2? Really? <laughs> Going old school. Uh, Kung Fu Kenny tweeted out a thing and said, in horns with a thinking emoji, hashtag Rams house. And it shows Jair Alexander like they might be trying to trade for him. But, yeah, there's. I don't think there's anything to this. So it sounds like everybody's saying, hey, we could use Jair. I bet you could. Mm-hmm. This It looks like this show, this particular show where I've seen it, it's every week they have one episode looking at, oh, who could this team acquire? Who could the Cardinals get? And they pick some, like, hot-button person. Everyone is, like, a way to get people to look at it, I think. So I think yeah. it's – and it seems pretty scheduled, so I don't think there's a whole lot to it. There's a Wisconsin but, You never know. There's a there's a Wisconsin website that drives me crazy. I had to unsubscribe because I don't appreciate the clickbait stuff. I know what you're referring to, bro. It's every single day. The title is, I mean, I, it, the most shocking thing you've ever seen. And then you read yeah. the article and you're like, oh, that's a nothing burger. Yeah. Okay. Green Bay great speaks out on the coaching staff, and it's like, oh crap, who said what? And you click on it, it's like Jerry Kramer praises the coaching staff for the great job they've done. It's like, <laughs> you mm, boy. <laughs> Just wasted 45 seconds of my time. So, anyway, <laughs> I, don't, I don't dig that stuff. That's what she said. <laughs> that might be the best one yet. <laughs> All right, let's get out of here. Go around, oh, around the horn, Tim. Say something. Just say uh, something. Gonna, uh, you can't have Jair. You can want him all you want. He's staying yeah. in Green Bay. Um, you know, keep your mitts off our our cornerback right now, man. You know, we, we're yeah. talking about bringing in what four? What, what's our list say? Four, four corners. We're going to trade the best one we have. Nah, um, mm-hmm. I'm sticking yeah. with Ja 2024. Jair for Green Bay 2024. Um, he's under contract. He's not going anywhere. Um, like Jake Shabink says right here. Yeah. At least a fourth, you know, pick four and 27. For to even answer the phone. I agree with that. <laughs> that sentiment. Uh, yeah, that's not a fourth round. That's pick number four. Exactly. I need, um, I need text conversation. I need text com, uh, confirmation that the number four is involved, or I'm not even answering. Yeah, your right. <laughs> that's right. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's all I got to say, man. Um, I can't wait to see, you know, Jair back to his old self uh, next season. I really I feel like it's coming. And I feel like this might be the year we really see him step into that that leadership role that we've been uh, 
you know, he's kind of been in already, but, you know, maybe taking, um, you know, a different approach, new DC, who knows, you know, like the, the, the future is kind of uncertain at this point, but I, I feel pretty, pretty certain that Jaws not going anywhere. Yeah, I agree. Emilio, parting thoughts, but you got anything else you want to hit on before we wrap up here, man? No, no, I mentioned it that we uh, switched or released our strength and conditioning coach. We'll, we'll figure out uh, what we replace that, uh, replace that position with. And like Tim said, I don't think Jaws going anywhere. Um, I like digging into all this, you know, where we can go with the O-line, D-line, but it's going to be really big in the trenches this uh, this spring here. And I'm excited to see what Goody, after watching that video, I'm excited to see what he does in the draft, you know, make that decision, whatever is best for this team, you know, don't worry about the, the consequences, the noise outside and let it go. Yeah, for sure. Um I was just looking through here, too. I'm sure you guys heard Tom Pelissero tweeted out about four hours ago, the Falcons are zeroing in on Raheem Morris as their next head coach. So that was the D.C. for the Rams. So how does that affect the Packers? Now Sean McVay is in the market for a new D.C., right? So that could pull someone else off the market there. So uh, just something to keep in mind. My guess is Brandon Staley will end up with the Rams, the Rams, the Dolphins, or the Packers would be my bet that he would end up at. Um, Cause those guys really like to stick together, right. From that same type of type of tree. So um, if he does want to go back to being DC, it was one of those strange situations. If I understood correctly, he was a DC, he got a head coaching job. And he started calling the offensive plays. It's like, are you high bro? What are, you, what are we doing here? Like <laughs> what made, what made you want to do that? And, and obviously it went, horribly wrong of course you got jim harbaugh leaving michigan and going to the la chargers now i think that's going to be a match made in heaven uh with jim harbaugh returning to the nfl matt lafleur is no longer the active coach with the highest winning percentage that's how much success harbaugh had i mean he was he was a dog he was and i like him i like what he represents as a man i think he's a good guy so i think it's good for the league i'm glad he's not in the nfc but carly parting thoughts from you anything else you want to hit on here no, I haven't really been, um, you know, in here since we heard about Joe Barry. And uh, it's just, I mean, I'm glad the decision was made and all that. And uh, the, and I don't want Darnell Savage back. Those are my two takeaways from the oh, season. All right. oh, Put it on the books here. I like it. Harley <laughs> said, lock the door, change the code. Um, yeah, we, we kind of dove into it the other day. Yeah. They have his market value at $5 million and um, – he, uh, he graded out as far as passer rating. You know, obviously his PFF grade was like 75, which isn't too bad, but he's been inconsistent. Mm-hmm. That's If we were looking at him like as, as any other free agent, we would be looking at it going, hey, he's been inconsistent, right? Mm-hmm. Um, as far as passer rating when targeted, I looked it up. He's 73rd amongst safeties at 109.4. So um, I think the number we had put on him originally was $4 million, if I remember correctly, that we'd say, hey, I'd, I'd think about taking him back for $4 million. But uh, after we've seen the safety free agent market, man, I'd much rather have Geno Stone or Alohi Gilman than Darnell mm-hmm. Savage. So something to keep our eye on. But we will make a note of that. Carly said, no more Savage. Get him out of here. So uh, I like what Paul says. Carly is savage for being anti-Savage. <laughs> See what you I, I, I like his name. I like the guy. But I just don't I think he is like a good the guy, play really. style. Yeah. Yeah. You can see him in the locker room. He just seems like he's just one of those guys that he's, you know, everybody loves him for. Come on, man. You got to you got to perform, right? You know, mm-hmm. you know that is Emilio. You run a landscaping company, right? That grass mm-hmm. don't get cut, no matter how nice you are. That check ain't coming in the mail. Well, the truth. So there you go. 
All right, we're out of here, guys. Appreciate everybody hanging out with us. This was a lot of fun. Uh, we'll be back in the morning with something else to talk about. Um, <laughs> we kind of <laughs> fired from the hip tonight with the offensive line. Now we've got the, the free agent market. We've got one, two, three, four, five guys that we're potentially interested in, okay? What we might do in the morning, Tim, if it's cool with you, is go through and do a mock draft with all of our needs and pretend those free agents don't even exist. Yep. And that will give us a good – just a good glance at the draft of, okay, can we fill these holes without using free agency? And if we come away from the mock draft going, man, it was really hard to find this position or that position, maybe get a little aggressive with one of those free agents, right? So Absolutely. So good. that being said, we're out of here. I want to give a special thanks to all the Super Chats. Um, I know Mike Witt in here with a Super Chat earlier. I think a couple of them got unmarked. Um, we apologize for that. But if you did drop a Super Chat, thank you guys so much for, uh, for supporting the stream. We really, really – appreciate it for those of you listening on the pod thank you for making us a part of your day as always let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world and go pack go the power sweep actually it's the it's the lead play in our in our offense yes a yn or a tight end to open up somewhere between six feet and nine feet get an isolation with the with the linebacker tell the tackle to take the defensive end if he's over and if he's not to drive down on the first man to his inside. YN has the linebacker taken out, he cuts inside. If the YN has the linebacker in, he comes all the way around. If you look at this play, what we're trying to get is a seal here, and a seal here, and try to run this play in the alley.